Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. Welcome back to the While We're Waiting podcast. We call this a podcast by bereaved parents for bereaved parents, but we know we also have listeners who haven't experienced the loss of a child. Many of them listen because they love someone who has lost a child and want to know how they can help. So today, I thought I would share something I wrote about a year after Hannah went to heaven. It's a list of 10 things bereaved parents wish you knew. Keep in mind that everyone grieves differently, so not everything on this list will apply to every bereaved parent. But for the most part, these are things we hear over and over as we've had nearly 900 grieving parents come through our retreats over the past nine and a half years. So, without further ado, 10 Things Bereaved Parents Wish You Knew. Number 1. Please don't be afraid to talk to me about my child. My child lived and was very important to me, and it's a comfort to me to know that he was important to you too. It means so much to me that you remember her. My child is pretty much always on my mind anyway. It's not like you're going to remind me that he or she is gone. I love to hear stories about him or see pictures of her, so please share these with me. Be sensitive about the place or time you're sharing these things, though. It's best to have these conversations privately because they may bring on tears. Number two, if I do cry when you speak of my child, it isn't because you have hurt me. My child's death is the cause of my tears. You have talked about my child and allowed me to share my grief, and I thank you for both. Just because I cry, it doesn't mean I'm irreparably broken. And on the other hand, if you happen to see me smile or laugh, it doesn't mean I'm over it. Tears and laughter are a natural part of grieving, and you may very well see both at the same time. Number three, if I seem absent-minded and forgetful, that's because I am. Grief brain is a common malady in bereaved parents. I'm really not losing my mind, but sometimes I may feel like I am. I may forget lunch plans, appointments, and my kids' soccer practice. I may not be able to find my keys or remember where I parked my car. I may look like I'm listening to you and not be hearing a word you're saying. The loss of my child takes up so much space in my mind, I don't have much room for other thoughts. Number four, please don't expect my grieving to be over in six months or even a year or, honestly, ever. For a while, my grief may even seem to get worse before it gets better. The early months may be the most traumatic for me, but please understand that my grief will never fully end until the day I'm reunited with my child in heaven. And though it may sound strange, I don't really want my pain to completely go away. In a way, it helps keep me connected with my child, but it won't always dominate my life like it does now. Number five, if you ask me how I'm doing... That's a really hard question for me to answer. I'll probably tell you I'm fine or I'm doing okay, but neither one of us has enough time for me to fully and accurately answer that question. Please don't ask it unless you genuinely want to know and you have time to listen to the answer without trying to fix me. Number six, please excuse me if I seem rude at times. 
Sometimes I just don't have the emotional stamina to participate in small talk and keep the smile on my face. It's hard to focus on the trivial when your mind is consumed with the eternal. Who wants to talk about the latest gossip on Facebook or the newest tech gadget when my child is gone? As one of our While We're Waiting dads said, it's as if everyone else around us wants to talk about kindergarten, and I want to talk about calculus. Number seven, please don't tell me that you understand or that you know how I feel. Unless you've lost a child, you can't understand how it feels. Actually, none of us can really understand how someone else feels. Even though my husband and I lost the same child, we don't fully understand how the other feels because we each had a different relationship with her. In fact, there are times that even I don't know how I feel. Number eight, being a bereaved parent is not contagious, so please don't shy away from me. I need your support now more than ever before. Ask me to participate in activities, but please don't be offended if I decline or if I cancel at the last minute. And if I stand you up for a lunch date or a Bible study meeting, I apologize in advance. Sometimes I think I can do a social activity, but when it comes right down to it, I can't. Please be patient and don't give up on me. If you don't know what to say to me, that's fine. Just tell me you don't know what to say. Sometimes that's the most helpful thing you can do. Number nine. You may see me struggling emotionally sometimes, especially when I'm at church. This doesn't mean I've lost my faith. For a variety of reasons, church is just a very emotional place to be. The songs about heaven, the talk about God's love, the smiling Sunday school faces, the intact families sitting around me. Sometimes it's just too much. Just hand me a tissue and let me cry. Number 10. Please understand that the loss of a child changes a person. When my child died, a large part of me died with her. I am not the same person that I was before he died, and I will never be that person again. But you know what? By God's grace and through his strength, I will one day be a better person than I was before. I will have more compassion. I will have a greater appreciation for the relationships in my life, and I will have a stronger faith. I will have an eternal perspective that will color everything I do for the rest of my life. But that doesn't happen overnight. In the meantime, the best thing we could do for a bereaved parent is to give them grace. Grace to grieve for however long and in whatever manner they need to. Grace as they find their new identity. Grace as their faith is tested. Grace as they work to keep a healthy marriage. Grace as they raise their surviving children. And grace as they establish a new normal in their lives. If you are a friend or loved one of a bereaved parent and you're listening to this today, thank you. It's your love, understanding, patience, and compassion, along with the faithfulness of God, that will get them through. I want to close with an excerpt of a sermon preached by Colin Smith called Tears and Talk. Imagine a priceless vase or ornament is dropped on the floor and smashed to pieces. The woman who loved it kneels down. She picks up the pieces one by one. She looks at each one in detail, turning it around as if to remember where it once belonged. The vase was loved, and so when it was shattered, every piece was worth picking up, no matter how small. A grieving person will often want to talk about the smallest detail of their loss. It is as if every broken piece is taken up and wept over. 
When you listen, you may feel that the detail was small, but it is part of something that was supremely valued, part of something dearly loved. The best gift you can give a grieving parent? Listen to those details. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.